Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome uh, to Yelling at Clouds on the USUK Podcast Network. I'm Alex Whiteley, and uh, joined with me, as always, is uh, is my big-brained friend, Mr. Eric Fluger, from all the way over there in Cal- uh, California. I was going to say that. That's David Raby messing with my head. That is That would be uh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> Eric Fluger from Florida. How are you, sir? You good? Howdy-do. Howdy-doody. Um uh, so today we're doing something uh, we haven't yet done, really, on Yelling at Clouds. We're, we're, we're going unscripted, almost. Um, I'll that let Eric correct. explain. <laughs> See, the thing is, I can't always write all of these things so elaborately. A uh, man has a life. Plus, this is simply another way of doing art. If the if, pre- or, if prior episodes were classical music, this is jazz, man. Uh, it, the previous uh, shows were like I don't know the romantic nineteenth century painters. This is freaking Jackson Pollock. <laughs> we are spilling that shit all over the canvas today, and it's for various reasons. One, it can't always be a classroom because I also don't want Alex to just sit here feeling like he's a hostage. Because yes, it's a classroom, but it's a classroom of one, and it's. I'm sure at some point it, it, it'll take, I'll be so self-absorbed that he'll just be like a hostage and it'll be like Dirty Harry and I'm Scorpio going, row, row, row your boat. Come on, sing, sing, damn it, sing. Row, row, row your boat. And Alex will just be forced to go, row, row, row. Yes, that's it, sing. <laughs> that's it. Down the street, yes. It's almost like a wedding when your mom, your mom picks you up. She's like, come on, dance with your mom. You know, you kind of just force you to dance on the dance floor. But I, I, I gotta tell you, Eric, I, I haven't felt like that at all throughout this. I think every single episode, I've, I've really enjoyed learning. I really have learned. I mean, the last episode we talked about the black hole, which is a film that I watched, and I was kind of like, why does Eric made me watch this? But in, until you kind of explained a little bit, bit about the details, uh, I kind of my mind was blown a bit, just a bit like your. Uh, your your avatar right here that you can people can, people can see because you have a and very good way of explaining those details in a fun way. So yeah. Well, I joke that just like a real black hole, time slowed down the closer you got to the center of that show, and <laughs> as a result, that one was a bit longer than I'd expected. I figured an hour and a half tops, but two hours. We're not going to do that. This is this is going to be a bit briefer. <clears throat> also, a consequence of the format. Um, it's going to be very, very stream of consciousness, although there is going to be a subject here, a big one. I have talked to you in the past about uh, aesthetic arrest, having your mind blown more or less by the image you're being uh, being presented with. I've talked about it, uh, but the question is, hey, Eric, when has that happened to you? Can you give us an example I suppose I should sum up something that I wasn't able to with that episode, which is do I keep uh, the rules of aesthetics gifted to me by Joseph Campbell, who in turn got them from James Joyce, or not? And the result, as we'll sometimes get, is probably mixed. We keep the basic rules, although clearly the terms could use some updating, as we discussed. Uh, So, yeah, keep it with changes. That's fair. And it's going to be a lot of the answers to some of these questions. You'll find yourself wanting to keep a lot of your prior life, but it's got to be updated for now, for the you of now. This is one of those. So now having established that with that episode, a brief story about how I once had my mind blown by a piece of art is in play. And one that proves that Joyce's uh, principles for art are actually more inclusive than you might think. Because that was a risk I was worried about with that episode, too, that they might sound exclusive. Simply by the terms proper and improper art implies a certain exclusivity. And I wanted to kind of shake that loose from it. So now, let's talk about my mind being blown, Please, let's and open those gates. <laughs> the consequences of this is that I, uh, Alex will have more to say, too. He will not be a hostage. 
Although I am basically telling him to start singing "Row, row, row your boat." Now, come on, sing! I was with Stockholm syndrome. I'm going. Please talk, <laughs> talk more, Eric. Please, we want to hear more. I don't want to go. If this is going to be that episode of the Twilight Zone with a kid who has the powers to make people go into the cornfield and everyone is smiling. It's good that he did that. It's good that the fluke did that. Meanwhile, they're thinking, just get a gun or a bottle or something and end this. I hope to not drive you to that point. It's a crazy show, huh? It is. I mean, so, yeah, I mean yeah. here's the story of a man named Fluger. It starts in college. So let's see, 90 to 94 Ringling School of Art and Design. Wonderful place. On probably my sophomore year, although I will not be held to that. Memories of college, by their nature, are a bit fluid. You know? <laughs> but on this particular day, I woke up, fell out of bed, dragged a chrome across my head, such as you do in college, to what's college standards, which is are not very much. Look, look for the pair of jeans on the floor that look clean. You've <laughs> slapped the snooze several times before you even got out of bed, to the point where you're considering just I I gotta I gotta drop this class. <laughs> But I don't want I don't want to drop this class because it's a great lecture class about art history. I fondly remember the lecturers to this day, Rice and Dean. Uh, so I've stumbled into the car, stumbled version of drive to the campus and gone into the lecture hall. I am probably powered by extremely shitty coffee and or hot chocolate that came out of the machine in a little student clubhouse place on campus, which only half exists now because it has been gutted and turned into a better structure. In fact, half of the campus doesn't, two thirds of the campus doesn't look like it did when I went there. So I go into the lecture hall and I sit. Rice and Dean are doing the thing. And one of them is, are, what's clear is that there is a keyboard on the lecture stage. Piano or synthesizer, I know not what now. My memory is fluid. It's college. Glug, glug, glug. <laughs> so, part of the virtue of freeform, I'm allowed to semi not remember. And the lecture goes, I'm going to play you a piece by a composer named John Cage. You don't need to know much right now except his basic fact that he exists. John Cage dates 1912 to 1992, American composer, music theorist, artist, philosopher. The piece he's playing is called, in short... 433. I've talked about the difference between short titles and long titles. I did that with the Dali piece in episode two. We're about to do that again. So one of them sits at the stool in front of the keyboard and gets ready to play. I'm thinking this is Dean. The I remember the image more than the name. Big, burly man with a curly black hair and a beard to match. Deep voice. Very good speaker. Both of them were. So he sits at this keyboard. He's threatening to play. Okay. And we're psyched, right? Because we're going to hear music. This man's going to play music right here in our, in our hearing. And we didn't expect a live musical performance this morning. We're half asleep on coffee shitty coffee but he's ready to go and he puts his fingers over the keyboard and he says he's going to begin but the fingers freeze over the keyboard 
The music begins. Except that there's no music. His fingers stay there. Nothing. Silence. And I'm letting the silence build just like now because it, it, it freaking started that way. Still nothing for like seconds. 10, 20, 30, nothing. And we start to look at each other. Nervous Twitter or two begins to form. Like at the 30, 40 second mark, God knows when. But it begins to just, just annoy you. Nothing was <laughs> playing. A minute has passed by now. This man is just sitting there over the keyboard. The fingers are just hanging there over the keyboard. Nothing. <laughs> Somebody could have told this man that there was one inch more and then your fingers would hit these fucking keys. <laughs> now notice I'm coming up with material to fill the gap left by the silence, aren't I? Right? Well, it, it wouldn't be a podcast if we just sat there for Correct. X amount of time. <laughs> Correct. But, oh my God. Silence is deafening. Two minutes. Nothing. The fingers just stay there. Nothing. And now we're outright giggling. We're making jokes. This we're we're going full MST3K on this thing the third minute in. Three minutes, 30 seconds. Now we're just losing it. We're outright laughing. We are giving no respect whatsoever to the fact that he is still there with his fingers there in this sh frozen Schroeder position. We're just, it's like Rocky Horror Picture Show in there. Jokes. Just talking about, so what did you do with the game last night, man? Did you see <laughs> that show? And this is building and building and building. And still, this man does nothing. <laughs> the fingers just sit there. <laughs> nothing. <laughs> I'm dying, aren't I? Ain't these tears in my eyes telling you? Yeah, I see you shiver with anticipation. <laughs> and we all did. Four minutes, 30 seconds. <laughs> and then the three, the three remaining seconds elapse. Four minutes and 33 seconds. Which, by the way, is the full title of that piece. Four minutes, 33 seconds. And then he gets up from that keyboard like he's freaking Victor Borga. And he's like, so what'd you think? <laughs> what? <laughs> Can you imagine pay? Can you imagine someone like charging for tickets for that? We'll get there. <laughs> we'll get there. I'm obviously raising my voice for effect, but Jesus tap dancing Christ. <laughs> Way to go, Glenn Gould. <laughs> you played that piano like a master. <sighs> See, all of this that I am feeding you is literally not that much different, except in the exact nature of the jokes from what I was that day in 91 oh 90 oh to 30 years 40 god where did my life go I can't do math so of course 91 to 2021 is a big gap <laughs> so now we come to the point where okay Eric you've been driven around and you have had your chain jerked for four minutes, 33 seconds. Now, what do you do? He's now just sat back and goes, so what do you think? 
And just like me, everyone else in the audience did the big what? My mind was not yet blown then. It will be in a second. Because here's the point. I'll read strictly from the Wikipedia description because it's pretty cogent. The piece consists of the sounds of the environment that the listeners hear while it is performed. Although it is commonly perceived as 40 as four minutes, 33 seconds of silence. In other words, this is the case. John Cage has provided a piece where the silence is filled in by the audience. <clears throat> the audience is the composer. The audience is the artist. And whatever the composition is, is whatever the audience produces within the four minute, 33 second gap of apparent silence. Now my mind's blown. Oh! <clears throat> oh. Oh. <laughs> oh. Oh my. I oh, have suddenly... Guy. Right? Hello. <laughs> Ooh, red alert. My mind is blown. I have suddenly been presented with a completely different expansion of my field of experience. Now, keep in mind what Joyce had to say about aesthetic arrest and the static arts and what he said about uh, art in general, that it's what can be both perceived by the senses, sensible matter, but can also be comprehended by the intellect, intelligible matter. Art is the human disposition of sensible or intelligible matter for aesthetic ends. This is intelligible matter being arranged in such a way as to arrest me. That is what the mind-blown image is, in a sense. Whoa. Whoa. Whoa, man. Am I wrong? No, you're absolutely right, and it's it's a very simple concept, isn't it? But sometimes the most simple things in the world are hard, the hardest things to find. Absurdly simple, like most riddles, when you see the answer. Tolkien wrote <laughs> that, and it's a perf it's profoundly apropos to a lot of things. Now, throw at me your thoughts on this for a minute. Because I could tell you how the people reacted when it was first performed in audiences that paid to see this damn thing. But oh, right. first, so that... <laughs> talk to me about your perception of this. You're the student. You're the viewer here. I think it's I think it's fucking ingenious. <laughs> I really do. I think it's great because you know, unless you know about this, I mean, if if the the, the joke has been spoiled for you, uh, you're like, oh, here he comes. You know, um, but. This is uh, it offers a great environment, doesn't it? Because the anticipation, like you said, can be very painful. You know, ready, steady. Where is it? Not go. Where is it? <laughs> Where is it? You know, it's uh, it's perfect, and I think it offers a much more deeper psychological evaluation than. Uh, say music i think there's more science behind this than art i think it's very clever and that's the thing you're what when is it when is it when is it that's the piece <laughs> and you haven't been prepped for this you're it's thrown at you after the fact and suddenly you feel like it's the end of men in black when the entire universe contracts and suddenly it's a marble and some alien kids playing with it <laughs> May, may I ask, what was the what was the expression like on the guy's face as he was doing this? Was he looking serious? Or was he laughing? He was joking? looking serious. 
<laughs> like a composer. S- swear to Christ Almighty, he he looked like he was Glenn Gould and that he cared that much. I met- You've got to be able to sell that. You've got to be able to sell that. Otherwise, it just doesn't work, does it? Right? I mean... You know how Bugs Bunny did the face of Leopold Stokowski in the cartoons when he's like yeah. the doctor? Leopold! <laughs> that. That face. I've, I've, I've seen something very similar, and believe it or not. It's um, a few years ago, we went to watch um, 30 Seconds to Mars um, live. And um, one of the warm-up packs, obviously they have the warm-up bands and stuff, but one of the warm-up packs that came out just before... Um, the band came on was literally a guy with a very high powered just a torch and he would shine it on a, on a portion of the crowd and they would cheer and then he'd shine it on another portion of the crowd and they would cheer and then he would run the light almost like a Mexican wave through the crowd and it, they would cheer him whenever the light would hit them this guy was literally playing the audience with a flashlight I mean, I know it's not the same concept as not doing anything but at the same time I thought this guy's fucking genius like he's literally no, it is. It is. It's the audience is the medium of the artist. Yeah, it was fantastic. He's playing them like a fiddle. <laughs> Everyone's having so much fun with it. It was fantastic. Right? I, I, I will, however, concede that I can't imagine the audience fucking felt that way when it premiered in 1952. I, I'm looking at the Wikipedia page and, and, and this being informal, it's it's providing info as I read it, not as I've researched it. Um, they obviously did not care for it um, because they'd come there to hear produced, composed sounds. They didn't understand this at all. But was it, was it just a bit out of a whole like few hours performance, or was did they just go to see that and then go home? Wikipedia is not telling me that. Uh, oh, it's as part of a recital of contemporary piano music. Yeah, apparently so. <laughs> okay. And oh. uh, it's, the it's, question it's is: Did they take it the way I took it? A college dorm setting, lecture hall setting, is not necessarily a formal setting. In a concert hall, I have to think different. This article is saying the audience's behavior is limited by the rules and regulation of the concert hall. They will quietly sit and listen to four minutes and 33 seconds of ambient noise. It's not easy to get a large group of people to listen to ambient noise for nearly five minutes unless they are regulated by the concert hall Unless someone like Jimmy Carr did it, you know, uh, like a stand, you know, could you imagine like in a, a stand-up comic sort of environment? Okay, guys, I'm going to play you uh, four thirty-three. Here we go, and all you'd hear within thirty seconds, especially here in the UK, but uh, get on with it, Nobbed. You know, <laughs> straight away it would just be pandemonium. Which seems to point to another thing I'm reading here in this article. Uh, it says. A work of music is defined not only by its content, but by the behavior which it elicits from the audience. Audience, yeah, that makes sense. It it it, in, it cites the case of Stravinsky's Rite of Spring. I remember this. Uh, there was widespread dissatisfaction, according to the article, and yeah, it led to violent riots. They trashed the thing. Really, and that <laughs> that's insane. <laughs> and this is what? Let me. It did what? Nineteen twelve. Uh, 1913. They trashed the theater. Wow. In for Paris. four minutes. <laughs> no, well, they trashed that for the Rite of Spring. They were a bit more composed, apparently, for 433. Let's see what John Cage said about the premiere. They, he apparently means the audience, missed the point. There's no such thing as silence. What they thought was silence, because they didn't know how to listen, was full of accidental sounds. You could hear the wind stirring outside during the first movement. During the second, raindrops began pattering the roof. And during the third, the people themselves made all kinds of interesting sounds as they talked or walked out. 
Now, first, I got to say, this thing has three freaking movements. Yes. In those four minutes and 33 seconds. Yes. This is described as a three movement composition. But that said. That's realization. The light bulb went off in my head. It's. I mean, it is it. You can't put this as aesthetic arrest. Ar- ar- yes, I mean, you can. But, if you're yeah, prepared suppose, to accept it as such. Yeah, because it is a form of art. But at the same time, it's had such, yes, a, it is. such a prolonged uh, uh, reaction by you. Uh, you remember it like as if it was yesterday. You'll never forget it. So it had, it de- had the effect it was meant to have on you. It did. And the, that being to make clear to me, and if you're an art school teacher this is the very definition of your job it made me aware that my perception of what art could be need not be so confined so conventional it can be greater broader deeper and as such it can be both more challenging and more rewarding And I think another aspect of the reward that I, as an art appreciator, in addition to being an artist, an art producer, is that this is his concept of the differences between silence and sound and where those concepts overlap in a bizarre way. And he brought that to me. He helped me to comprehend that concept. Now, granted, it required an art history teacher to go, well, don't you see? Here's what he was talking about. <gasps> oh! And the, making the O oh happen is part of your job. If you're an art teacher, it's to help you understand the point to the piece to the point where the aesthetic arrest can happen. Because if it's intelligible matter that also produces a sense of beauty or rest in addition to just what you can sense see with your eyes hear with your ears which is a pretty odd definition of it considering this fucking pace smell with your nose whatever you could it's intelligible but no matter too stuff you can think about wrap your head around an idea that can be beautiful and the idea can make you go, oh, you see? Yeah. I, I, I'm comparing this a little bit, and I'm going through it in my head. And one of the things that's, that's coming up to me is Star Wars, right? So you go to a brand new Star Wars, you get that black screen, and then you get, <laughs> you know? And that moment of, of euphoria or explosive excitement you get from that little bit of silence, black screen, and, you know, and it all starts up. That's what you're expecting from that 433, and it just doesn't ever come. So it has the opposite effect. You know, it's a weird thing. It's beautiful. Now, I granted, music history is filled with examples of redefining pieces that function by fucking with the audience to a degree. Wagner's opera Tristan and Isolde bases its entire musical structure on a very specific chord called the Tristan chord because it was invented by Wagner for the opera Tristan and Isolde. And it's and, and it's a chord that is set up by this longing phrase in the music but it doesn't complete the phrase. It just sends it off in a left word or right word, but any word other than forward direction. It gets all ready to get musically excited, and then it turns off to the side and does <laughs> this. That's the nature of the Tristan chord, although you would actually have to hear the prelude of the opera to get a sense of this. So it frustrates the audience because the audience wants to see that musical chord completed and not to go like this. God damn it. For five hours. 
in average performance, a Tristan clocks out at that, give or take, depending on how fast or slow the conductor is. No audience wants to be jerked around for five hours. <laughs> then there will waiting. be a riot <laughs> every time, <laughs> wherever you are. I mean, luckily, it had beautiful performances and plot and other musical motifs to go with it. But the basic underlying of all of this is the non-completion of a statement of love. Because the two characters can't complete their love to each other. Because like Romeo and Juliet, there's too many other factors in play. So it's a tragic love. Until at the very end, at the Liebestad, where after five hours, at the end of Act 3, uh, the phrase is completed, it is triumphant, it is transcendent, and the audience is taken away. In other words, they've been edged for five hours and they've been allowed to come. More or less. So other art has had in the past manipulated the audience in order to increase the audience's sense of reward or fulfillment at the end of the piece when they're now able to appreciate the whole. Follow? Yeah. Absolutely. I apologize for the grossness of the damn uh, <laughs> metaphor, but sometimes it fits. I would love to revisit this at some time, actually, with uh, a friend of mine, Andy McEwen, who is a, a sound artist. Um, not a sound, he is a sound artist, but he's a, an artist that works with sound and light. Um, and I'd love to get his thoughts on this because he likes to record like nature and, and, and he's every time I go to a studio, which looks like a spaceship, by the way, it's insane. Um, he's recreate, he's, he's always recording this almost organic sound that morphs and changes without him touching it. He just does it by itself. It's a computer simulation and it's got a mind of its own and it can go anywhere. And it's just this continuous sound that's morphing up and down and around and it goes anywhere it likes to go. Um, I think he'd be a great person to speak to about this. He might definitely have a perspective on it. And I throw this at anybody who knows music, see what the hell they think. Uh, it's not the mo it's not the modern classical that my preference is. I actually like to hear notes in my shit. <laughs> I like Ligeti. I like Penderecki, but John Cage. No, oh, sorry. Uh, but <laughs> that's just simple preference of music. I have to take my cap off to the fact that he cracked my head wide open. And well done, sir. Uh how how has how has this affected you as an artist? Well, it's more a story that I keep in the back of my head, and it it how it affects me. It simply says that yes, my rules as spelled out in episode two are there. Uh, they're not necessarily rules; they're just broad guidelines. But that. My spectrum for what art encompasses needs to be, if I'm to be effective in my job, very broad and very deep. That is a must. You yeah. have to, well, no, I don't say, maybe for my type of artwork, perhaps not every, not every artist has to be well-read, but it helps. Some artists can work completely from instinct or completely from personal experience. The result is still valid. But it's a help to have your knowledge of what art is be there at your at your beck and call, either in your I'm, head or in a library or whatever. I think it's a difference in, in looking at, I don't know, say a poster, uh, an old coca-cola poster or something and going oh that's really nice to going oh my god that's a Mikowski piece or something you know you know just as a <laughs> but do you know what i mean if you could recognize a certain styles of certain art artists and you know the, the refined uh lines of something i don't know something that made them their signature um 
the signature pieces and stuff. You know, do you understand what I mean? Like, so you can look at something and go, oh, yeah, that's cool. We can carry on walking. Or you could look at something and go, oh, my God, I haven't seen his work in years, you know? Mm. Now, if that happens to turn up in a commercial, the fun of that is, is that you, you've, if you know the piece, you recognize the reference, and you're like, oh, mm. and you feel like you've been given a little bit of a cookie. It's no different than say you watch any one of the Marvel movies, if you've seen them all, and if any reference happens to pop up to another one, you feel like you're in on the, the joke and another audience member that hasn't seen that other film may not be. Yeah. I mean, and that little I, bit I, of a, go for it. No, I was going to segue. It's all right. The Please. No, I was going to say to you about, about art and, and, and about, how we're using art differently these days because obviously there's a form of art at the moment that's that's completely taking over the world if i'm honest and we all appreciate it and that's the meme you know memes are mainstream now if you can find a good meme sometimes it will take over the world i mean there was the one with the anakin and um padme uh, uh you know it's going to be a good film right it's going to be a good film, you know that that kind of that, that kind of thing can take over the world. Like, does that adds like a new depth to art in a way? Because like you can take things, you can change it, or you can appreciate it and share it, and and then you know it's it's massive for about I don't know a week, two weeks tops, and then there's something new to 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 have fun with. You know, it's a it's a it's a very I think it's worth discussing at some point because it's a it's a it's a definitely an era we're living in right now with the meme era you're in luck i have a, a thought about an episode on that hmm. specific one a specific continued uh, definitely hmm. and i think so we that... covered pretty much all the basics of this episode and it's obviously significantly shorter than the last friggin' episode but they won't all be long epics. They will, as I say, sometimes be a single brief moment in time, as I promised in the pilot. But as you've clearly come to see, even those brief moments themselves have something of value, I think, I hope, for you, the viewer. Nice. Um yeah, it was, it's an interesting one because it's, like once you've made the point, yeah, this is true. What Eric said to me before we hit record here, we've got plenty of time yet, by the way. We've got, we've got a few minutes. Um, uh, it was like, this will be a very short episode because once I've made my point, there won't be much to discuss upon it. And he was right. Like, this is a very interesting thing. But once it's once it's at the back... Now comes your duty as the art appreciator to now provide your feedback because now the ball's in your court as the viewer yeah. of the art. Hmm. so go nuts alex yeah i would love to get you guys thoughts on this i mean i know this is a new show we haven't developed a that kind of a relationship yet guys but if you are listening to this and you'd like to throw in some some input just go to our Usuk page um drop a comment or the Usuk fang page should i say drop a comment and drop in the hashtag yelling at clouds um because i'd love to hear your thoughts on this what how would you have reacted if you'd have paid for a ticket and you'd gone to a theatre and you heard that song and it was the first song that they played or, you know, a piece for 33. Um, how would you have reacted? Um, I'd love to hear what you guys um, think about that because I think it's very poignant. I think I'd have just laughed at my mates. I'd have just, I think it would have just been, if I'd have gone with a wife, I'd have, I'd have been like, this is brilliant. So, so, so intelligent, you know. But, you know, now I've done this, uh, this podcast with you, I'll be like, I know this piece. I've heard it before. <laughs> <laughs> Any quiet moment lasting five minutes. God, this is familiar. I've heard this. Wait, wait. Don't tell me. And, you know, um, actually, I can elaborate on this a little bit more, actually, and talk about me personally, which is uh, it's not my podcast, but I can explain to you, like, you said something earlier in the podcast that you said silence is deafening, and I, it really is. It's painful at times as well. See, um, I went from um, a job where I worked with a few hundred people to working on my own in an office during the night. Um, 13 hour shifts, um, working with young people, but by sort of, I know between midnight and 2am, it would go quiet. Just like that in the office. And the first couple of weeks, 
they were really hard psychologically they were very 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 difficult for me and I, to the point where i thought i was going to, have to quit the job until my until my friend uh, chris Murray, shout out to chris was like have you ever listened to podcasts and i was like no i did what everybody else does what's a podcast and he's like oh yeah have you have you ever watched the movie clerks and i was like yeah i love kevin smith so, well, he's like one of the podcasting pioneers. And that is my entrance into Kevin Smith and podcasts. And that saved my, this definitely saved my career, but I feel like it saved my sanity a little bit because just to have that podcast, the conversation, even if I'm not necessarily listening to it the whole time, but just to have that thing in the background stop me from going fucking insane uh, really did help. So, uh, yes, yeah, silence is deafening. Um, but I think what killed this and what sent people into a rage was the anticipation. patient yeah there we go <laughs> i was wondering how long i could leave that then eric do you real uh, do you real i found myself literally having to hold myself back from doing it <laughs> i could feel it i could feel because, it because yeah fucking frankenfurter is awesome tim curry who wouldn't want to be tim curry for even a moment <laughs> rocky i love it, Ugh, I love it. that's I love another it. film altogether and another episode altogether <laughs> well, but here's so what we, I want to note uh, about what your response was. You brought your own personal experience into it because that's what every viewer does. What's in there in that piece of art, just like in that tree in the Empire Strikes Back, only what you take with you. Yeah. You bring yourself into the experience and... That what that is why every aesthetic experience is unique, not only to the person, but to that moment, because you're a different person from time to time. Also, uh, you might be at a different place in your life, and had that been the time you, that you'd heard four thirty three, or seen or heard anything else, experienced any other piece of art, your reaction would be different. Because your experiences are different. And yeah. that's that's the other half of the relationship between the viewer and the artist. The artist creates and he brings him or herself into the, the work themselves. And then the viewer comes and appreciates or views and they bring themselves into it as well. And that's why every critic has a different opinion, even though the piece is the same or appears that way. Yeah. I, th I mean, I've heard the saying, not, not every critic, no, no critic is wrong because it's like the, from their viewpoint. Unless they've been paid by Disney to slam DC and everything DC ever make. I, mean, I don't buy way. into that. Uh, <laughs> I will say, though, that the critical arts are arts themselves. And I have found, speaking of YouTube, that... Film criticism can, when uh, the right care is brought to it, be an art. And in that form of art, the voice of the critic is unique to them, and therefore their take on a film is unique to them. And that take, that piece of criticism, is itself then a piece of art in its own right to be appreciated thus. Hmm. That's how I treat the black hole or anything else. Even well, this we, moment. We do. This show is something that we we like the listeners to go back and just have a think about what we've talked about. You know, maybe this is the episode where people can really do that because you can't actually put yourself in the situation that you were putting, Eric, because you know it's coming, right? So you can't be like, oh, I'm going to do a 433 on myself. You can't do that. <laughs> All we can I do can't now is myself that, that way. <laughs> it doesn't work. It's like trying to tickle yourself, guys. It doesn't work. Try it. Try tickling yourself now. How many people are trying to tickle yourself? It doesn't work, right? Even if you're ticklish, right? So, no, um, <laughs> so I think that's this is the episode for it. Um, thank you, Eric, for that. Honestly, <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> thank you for blowing my fucking mind. I, I look exactly like Eric's avatar right now. That's what I look like. <laughs> It's not easy to draw a mushroom cloud, by the way. I ripped that one off from the day after, which is bad because the effects on that are 40 years out of date, too. 
<laughs> but you're it amazing works. at what you do. Uh, I, I like. Awesome. I had fun putting the scorched edges on my brain. Uh, <laughs> now, thank you for giving me a forum to tell you this story, and it's a hoot, isn't it? And suddenly, you think art is a bit differently, don't you? It's suddenly a bit of a broader, deeper, more interesting thing. And therefore, hopefully, if you're the viewer, your appreciation of art is bigger, broader, and richer. Yeah. Hopefully. Uh, but the thing is, about me giving you the forum to do this, Eric, a lot of people would have gone, oh, this thing happened to me in college, right? You never guess what, this geezer, right, sat at the front of the class, was going to play a song, and he fucking didn't, you know? He didn't play the song. We just sat there laughing. Yeah, I was chatting to the bird behind me. But you didn't. You you, you stretched out this beautiful uh, story in a way that absolutely makes people's mind wonder. And we've managed to fill a 46-minute podcast about it. So that's what's special about you, Eric. And that's why I said you should definitely get to podcast, Mr. Eric Fluger. And I feel like I'm absolutely uh, justified now in that. So thank you very much for, for sharing that with us. Well, I'm an artist. Give me a tuba. I'll bring you something out of it. <laughs> and right, okay, boy, so... what a tuba. <laughs> and hopefully I brought you something out of it. You have. You have. Every time. Every time I speak to you, you bring something out of me. Well, <laughs> <clears throat> <clears throat> right, Eric, uh, can I do the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the, uh, the pluggy bits now? Uh, Please. Okay, guys, listen up, sit down, right? Pin those ears back because we've got some stuff to tell you. Right, we have a website. Yes, we do. We have a website called yousucknetwork.com. Go in, go there, check out all of our, all of our audios on there. So you can literally press play and it'll play straight off the website. It won't take you to Podbean and you can look at pretty pictures and stuff while you're doing it. So go to yousucknetwork.com and that's made for us by our friends at Web Orchard. Um, they make our website for you suck and they make it for the shoes biscuit the other show i do as well they're fantastic at what they do it doesn't matter where you are in the world if you need a website go to the weborchard.com and they will find they'll make a beautiful website just like ours um we have another show on our on our, our network called what's the difference podcast with me and my co-host tom bruno who's in vermont and we talk about the subtle differences between us and uk culture we bring on actors we bring on, bring on directors artists writers anyone that can tell us what the fuck's going on what is what where did all this difference in between us go because sometimes tom will throw a word into a phrase and it will just blow my mind that, that we didn't even know what that meant uh what one of the the, the lingering uh arguments between us is iced tea i'm like what have you done to tea america what have you done to tea? Um, <laughs> we also have what haven't we done to tea <laughs> it's in all the wrong things um we also have You Suck Wednesday Night Live, which is every nine p every Wednesday at nine p.m. UK time, or that's four p.m. Eastern time, and it's basically like us all getting together to check out how we all are, have a couple of drinks, and play a few games. And we have the live comments as well. We will interact with you while the show's going. Eric, we need to get you on there soon. It'd be great to have a catch up with you on there. Damn right. Nice yes um and also we have a very special thing that we're doing in september um we have pod aid which is a 24-hour live podcast that we're going to be doing uh, from 9 a.m on the 29th of september till 9 a.m on the 30th of september we're doing this to raise money for lingan davis which is um a, a cancer fund charity local to me in shrewsbury and you may be wondering why is this geezer doing a podcast to try and raise money for somewhere in shrewsbury and getting us to give money and that's because i am trying to encourage creators content creators doesn't matter what you do if you're a game streamer podcaster if you write a vlog uh sorry record a vlog write a blog anything like that if you could affect your local community in some way then go out and do it and that's what pod aid is going to be all about um so that's why i'm helping my local one of my local charities here we have a venue thanks to shrewsbury town community we're going to be using their uh, reach community hub we have our main sponsors in reach who made this beautiful logo and this graphic and are running our social media uh, we have equipment coming to us from stage and sound stage and sound Shru shropshire ah, stage and sound 
God, words, stage and sound, Shropshire. Um, <laughs> they're going to give us some uh, state-of-the-art cameras uh, so, and some make us look great. So thank you, Trev, from them. And we have our website, thanks to Web Orchard. There's so much going on with that. Um, it's literally 24 hour-long slots. They're all going to run together. And we've got an amazing lineup. Um, I've just spoken to George from the Speakeasy Gentleman, and he's asked for a slot. Well, yes, sir, you can have a slot because we've got a couple spare. Um, and, and that's what we're going to do. It's going to be fantastic. And here's what I'm going to be doing in it, I believe. I shall challenge J.C. Reifenberg, a very, very able Star Wars trivia man, to a trivia contest. We shall meet and our sabers shall clash. Is this a case Join of... Join um... me, J.C., and together we won't do all that much. Can I run this like a, almost like a political debate? Not Nothing to do with politics, but I can be like... Um... Uh, I don't know, uniforms. And then just with that word, I'll go, go Eric, uniforms. And then you can talk what you like about uni- uh, uniforms. And then, and JC can be like, I agree, I disagree. This is what I like to add. And then we can just score it that way. How are we going to do that? <laughs> I... Queensberry rules. Um, that sounds intriguing. This is obviously like so much of this show, a uh, thing we're making up as we go. Um, that gives me an idea for one of the mm. episodes coming up. Write it down leave, before you forget I'll it. I'll leave Eric. that as a clue. I'll right, leave that um, as a clue. <laughs> Have you got any closing comments before we get out of here? Well, do you want to send off the listeners, actually? Well, uh, a brief plug of my own. If you want to look at my work, or perhaps commission me for stuff, uh, look at my website, CygnusArtsInc.com, C-Y-G. N-U-S-A-R-T-S, Inc. <laughs> I-N-C dot com, of course. Now, uh, I'll, tr- I'll try to get more info on stuff uh, as we go further on. But basically, accepting commissions, whatever you want. Um, apart from that, as always, Alex, I'm grateful to you for the opportunity to yap. Oh, thank you. Uh, thank you. I'm glad I spared you from having to just sit there and go, listen, while I just talk (laughs) and do nothing else. Because remember, as I say, it's about the appreciator, the viewer of the art, as much as the artist, the creator of it. Uh, So that's how this Abbott and Costello thing shall develop. Uh, To the audience, what can I say? I wish you a fond farewell and adieu. And join me next time. Same bat time, same bat channel.